Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. Um, the very first in person. This has never happened before in the history of Managing Madrid podcast. It's always been Skype. But we're in person now with Alex Kirkland of Real Madrid of, of all people. It's a great privilege to, to be here with you for that for such a historic first. I'm stoked. The honor is on mine, trust me. And uh, we're in an undisclosed location. Oh, are we not going to set the scene? We can't set the scene. I mean, I don't know. Do you, is there a reason you want to reveal where we are? Is it, is it secret? Is it, this... it seems more mysterious this way. Oh, if you wanted to keep it mysterious, it's fine. We're, yeah. we're outdoors. You might hear mm. the, the birds singing in the trees. Yes, I think the only hint we can give away is that apparently there is, there is some drug activity that often goes on in this park. I have read in the in the paper that there there is, but it's, night hasn't fallen yet. So night I hasn't think fallen. We're, I think, There's I think still we're kids safe. in the park. it's still more of a family vibe. Is this one of TS, TSFP's secret? Uh... Uh, no, we've never met up here. This is okay. the park that I um, I go for a run in, so you can sometimes catch me jogging <laughs> okay. around this park. Not not at this time of winter because it's much too cold. Yes, but in the spring, summer, autumn, that's that's where you'll find me doing doing circuits of this park. Um, we'll probably record until we can we can bear the cold. It's not too bad today. It's not too chilly yet. Yeah. But yeah, when the sun sets, it, it might I was get telling better. Robbie yesterday when I was at the Sevilla game, my fingers were numb on the laptop in press row. I don't know if you find it the Bernabeu. It's kind of extremes because you've got the heating in the in yeah, the ceiling. Yeah, but it's so far up. Like it's, it's quite far up. But I find either it's on like full blast uh-huh. and it'll it'll be too hot, yeah. or it's it's not enough. And that's you're, generally you're the case with the Bernabeu because when I was here in April, the sun just roasts your scalp open. Yeah. And so yeah. you're either burning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once or twice I have forgotten to put on my sunscreen beforehand and I have regretted that afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, at any rate, producer Al in the house. Um, pleasure. This is our podcast leading up to El Clasico. Yeah. So always a, a very fun time of year and also like particularly fun this time because it seems like both teams are in form. That, yeah. That's I, pretty accurate, right? I think that's fair to say. I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, of course, Madrid have had their... They're kind of ups and downs this season, particularly in La Liga. And Barca have been winning games and getting points without always necessarily convincing in terms of how they've been playing. They've been getting results anyway. But yeah, I think both teams come into this pretty strong. I think Madrid off the back of the the Club World Cup, I think that will have helped and boosted the confidence a a little bit. And and Barca looking looking very, very good, as we saw against uh, Depor. As yeah. a car alarm goes off in the Perfect, in yeah. the background. So no, I think both teams are looking pretty good. I don't know about you. I quite like this this idea of a Christmas Clasico as well. I think just having it. How often does that happen? I actually I'm trying can't to remember. think. So what last? So last year the Clasico at the Bernabeu. It was around this time of year, wasn't it? But I don't think it, it wasn't that close to to Christmas. I, I seem to remember a lot of December Clasicos. I don't know how often they fall this deep into the. 
Yeah, I think I think December twenty third is 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 pretty, is pretty late. But yeah, yeah I'm quite. I, I think everyone's you know everyone's in a good mood this time of year. Yeah, let's hope it. Let's hope it stays that way after. Of course, it's also the day after the ele- uh, the elections, right? Are the, uh, uh, the, the, the vote. The, the Catalan elections, yeah, 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 it's all, it's all, it's all going to be going to be yeah. kicking off in in yeah. Catalonia at the same time. Yeah, um, that'll be set, that'll set the stage uh, quite nicely. Um, see. But at any rate, um, I mean, in form, like I, th- I think I was looking back to the game against Sevilla where Real Madrid really looked. It was their best game of the season. Um, I don't know how much you extract from the Gremio game and the Al Jazeera game because to me, you kind of look at those as as uh, almost like preseason or exhibition games with all due respect to those opponents I extract more from like a game against Fuen Labrada or a Copa game than I do from these um, just because the mindset is completely different when you go into these games like you know although against Gremio it seemed like they took it a bit more seriously yeah I thought I thought it was a very kind of professional yeah. performance from Madrid they did what had to be done I mean you say Sevilla was the best performance of the season I would agree in terms of La Liga I'd say maybe Dortmund in yeah. the Champions League yeah. was the best Performance. Zidane did mention that too after the game because I think someone asked him and was it the best half that mm. first half and he yeah. said only in terms of goals because yeah. he liked yeah. the Dortmund game he liked away again uh, to Anuetta as well uh, against Sociedad where mm-hmm. Real Madrid also played a good first half. It was good. I mean, although I think we have to say that Sevilla defensively were all over the place. It was, in that a, it was they were absolutely horrific yeah. in that in that yeah. first half. But still, no, Madrid look, were looking good. Um, we're going to jump into questions. Let's do it. So we have uh, pa- questions on Patreon. So obviously, if you're a listener to this podcast, you know that we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash managingmadrid, where you can go, you can pledge, you can get different rewards. And uh, we have a bunch of questions from patrons, so we're going to take them. We're going to jump right in. And the first one's from Blake Brown. And I think this question actually sums up, like, almost the majority of the questions that came in on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. The bail question. Will he get minutes in the Classico? Will there be you know, significant minutes? Will they be off the bench? Will he start? Um, Blake says having Bale will be key to us getting a win. Where do you think realistically he slides into this game? First of all, I would say that I think the starting 11 will be the, the Cardiff 11 yeah. or the Club World Cup final yeah, yeah. 11. And therefore, there's no place for, for Bale in that in that team. But I don't know about you, but I quite like this kind of Bale off the bench kind yeah. of role. Yeah. I think it kind of suits him. And I think he can be really effective. I think if you can have a player coming off the bench for the last 20, 25 minutes, to have Bale yeah. as that option, as that, you know, almost almost like a like a plan B with his qualities, his physique, how quick he is, how strong he is, what a good finisher he is, which yeah. I think is something that is underrated. I think Bale, when he gets a chance, he, he tends to put it in the in the back of the net. I think he's a really good option off the bench. I think he could do some damage in, in that way. I think because of where he is in terms of coming back to, to full fitness, I think that suggests as well that he'll be among the, the substitutes. And like I say, I think right now, in terms of Zidane's kind of gala 11, the first choice 11, I think it's that, that Cardiff team, that, that 4-4-2, having the extra player in midfield, which gives you a little bit more stability. Because I think playing three attacking players, even if Bale is going to drop back when out of possession and, and help out and make it more of yeah. a 4-4-2, I still think you're a little bit more vulnerable than having the, the extra player in, in midfield. So yeah, I think Bale might well be on the bench, but like I say, I think right now that that could maybe be the the best option for for him and the team. If you remember, like the Super Cup when Ronaldo came off the bench, I think Asensio came off the bench too, and it was like at a stage in the game where having their pace come into the game, mm. it was so conducive to Real Madrid just going on the counter and and scoring and really hurting Barcelona. And I, and I, if you put Bale in that position, I think it would be the same. I think it would, it would it's such a weapon to bring off the bench. Having said that, I don't think like. 
in an ideal world where everybody's healthy, in my opinion, Bale is an unbelievable player. And yeah, I mean, the, no, the, the way he helps the team, if, if he's there from the start, I also, I also do wonder, yet the flip side is, it'd be kind of weird if after all this time of, of Isco just starting in this role and, and Bale just comes in and just and comes in as if nothing happened. Mm. Is, is it kind of weird, a kind of weird message? Yeah, and I think, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Bale's role is now a superstar sure. because this is Gareth Bale we're talking about. This sure. is, you know, the, the best British player around and, and one of the best players in the world. I, I, I don't think he would ever accept that kind of role, nor do I think that he should. But I'm just saying that right now at this right stage, now. the way things are, yeah. I think it's a really good, it's a really useful option for the for the team. No, I think Isco, I mean, big games now, I think Isco starts. Yeah. I think he has to start. I, I, it would be a massive, massive call for Zidane to, to leave Isco out of this Classico. Especially, I mean... I'm sure you've seen being here. You know what the the darling of the Spanish press, the Madrid press, mm-hmm. is, Isco is. He is so loved. Sure. That if he was left out, and look, that's not a factor in decision making because as a coach, you do what you think is is right. But it would be such a massive call to leave Isco out. I I can't see it. We get um, a lot of comments uh, directed at Isco, like in terms of just criticism this year, which is crazy. <laughs> um, it's crazy in a sense that. Last year to end the season, he was unbelievable. This year to start the season, he was unbelievable. And I remember the, the night of Spain blitzing Italy when Isco was yeah. just out of this world. Yeah. Everyone was talking about Ballon d'Or and, you know, he's going to be the next one on the team when Ronaldo retires to so just take over the reins. Just his, his performance was otherworldly. And now all of a sudden, a lot of people think that his freedom seems to hurt the team. And if that's the case, you know, I've, I pinpointed in the past, like, few games where sometimes because he roams so much, on any given defensive sequence, the players don't really know where he is sometimes. So they're trying to figure out, okay, do we cover here, do we not? Um, and it's not, it's almost like a guessing game every possession. Having said that, I think against Gremio in the final, like, if we were to extract anything from it, that looked to me like the, the diamond that we saw against Juve. It seemed really good. Isco was incisive. He was good. I think it's crazy to even label him as a problem at all, especially if there's a problem. It yeah. definitely isn't about him. It's probably a schematic thing or, like, a tactical thing. Um, what a problem to, to have. What a problem yeah. to have, I, mean, yeah. I think, firstly, I would say I think it's maybe unreasonable to expect him to maintain. I mean, the level that he had at the end of last season where he was basically the best player in the world yeah. on form, yeah. Yeah, certainly the best the best Spanish player, the best kind of attacking midfielder. I don't know if you can expect him to keep that up game in, game out because, I mean, you know, he's he's human and pretty much every player has has, has ups and downs. And maybe it's true that he, by his those recent standards, he has had a little bit of a dip in, in the last few weeks. But, I mean, like I say, I, I think that's only to be to be expected um, maybe, maybe there are some you know when you have Isco in the team maybe you do have to kind of make some adjustments but I think it's worth it because of what he brings you and yes as a, as a creative player as a player who can create something from, from nothing and do something in, incredible yeah. in, a, in an instant that kind of player you know sometimes it's going to come off sometimes it isn't sometimes you're going to get the decision making right sometimes you're going to dwell on the ball a little bit too long yeah. I think that, that's part of the package I mean, yeah. I, I was thinking like, when you trust someone and you give them the keys and they're that, uh, they have that much ingenuity mm. in the final third, you got to trust them. Like, you give them the keys, like, okay, they're going to crash the car a couple times, <laughs> they're going to make some bad decisions, but you live with that because they'll yeah. see things no one else sees as well. Yeah. yeah. And also, this isn't a team that, you know, relies entirely on Isco. It's not a one-man team. Yeah. Even if at times he was the star in the last, in the last 12 months, you know, there are going to be games when he's not 
at his best, and that's when you need, I don't know, Luka Modric to step up, or Tony Cross yeah. to, to step up, or, or Asensio, or, yeah. or whoever, and you've got a squad that can, that can deal with that. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about Benzema, you and I. Mm. Um, it is his birthday, so we're going Yeah, to... I hadn't realised that until <laughs> yeah. you said. We're going to take it easy on him, but I will say this, that you know, the question often seems to be Isco or Bale, and to me, it can be, why not both? And I really like the idea of packing the midfield with both and let Benzema come off the bench. We know Ronaldo can play high up the pitch if, if needed, as someone screams in the background. But um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I like the idea. I think in the big games, mm-hmm. I think you need that midfield four. And I agree that then it becomes a question of, OK, who are the two up front? And mm-hmm. it's always going to be Ronaldo because he does what he does. And therefore, it's who, who plays alongside him. And yeah, I guess then it comes down to to Bale or Benzema or Asensio. I quite like, as an idea, I quite like the Ronaldo and Bale kind of front two because they've got yeah. so much pace and so much physicality and with such a creative midfield behind them, yeah. I think they can cause defences quite a lot of problems. Now, what Zidane says is that what Benzema brings to the team in terms of the link-up play, in terms of his relationship with Cristiano Ronaldo, that's what he, he values and that's why he, he picks Benzema. And I, I'm not going to make any apologies I love I love Benzema I love yeah. watching him play I love the kind of footballer that he is I always have and even before I moved to Madrid I used to love watching love watching Benzema you almost signed him at Arsenal I mean yeah he's another <laughs> one of the long list there the was long, like one day I thought we lost him for a second there almost almost Wenger signings um, but what was I saying I um, I love Benzema I know that you know fans have been frustrated in, in recent weeks that a little bit. I think sometimes the criticism, especially here, especially at the Bernabeu, is maybe a little bit unfair, and maybe the crowd is is a little bit a little bit hasty to get on his back. And I also think that he's the kind of player who needs needs to feel love and needs. To, you know, that sounds kind of um, corny, but I think it's true. <laughs> some some players kind of I think thrive on an atmosphere of. I, I think Cristiano Ronaldo, when a crowd like whistles or boos him, yeah. I think that's. <clears throat> I think he relishes it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you. Yeah. I, I think Benzema maybe needs a little bit of love yeah. sometimes, and that's what he gets from Zidane, and that's why Zidane backs him so vehemently because he knows that's what Benzema, Benzema needs. And let's not forget everything that he's done, even this year. What's the most iconic moment in a Real Madrid shirt in the in, in 2017? It's Benzema at the Calderon, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. So let's not forget <clears throat> that. Um, I will say this: regardless of his form, he tends to step up in Clasico. Well, yeah, in his yeah. goal-scoring record in big games is, is, is very, very good. It is, yeah. That's true in Clasicos, it's true in the Champions League as well. Um, Mark Rady says, apart from Messi, who is the key outfield player for Barca? Um, and how do you think we will handle that? So I think there's a couple of questions. In terms of what Barca team we're going to see in the, in the Clasico, I think the, the two maybe slight doubts that we've got is who's going to partner PK at the, at the back mm-hmm. and who's going to be the... I suppose the fourth midfielder, because I think we might see, I'm talking about a Real Madrid 4-4-2. I think we might see a Barca 4-4-2 as well with Messi and Suarez up front. Of Mm -hmm. course, Alcácer got injured the other day. Dembele's not quite ready yet. Delefeo's injured as well. So I think we'll see a Barca in a midfield four. So I think that the other question mark is who's going to come into the midfield alongside Busquets and Iniesta and and Rakitic. I think it'll probably be Paulinho. And I'm not saying that Paulinho is going to be, is, is the key outfield player for Barcelona. I wouldn't go that far. But I think he's done a pretty tidy job in terms of goal scoring so yeah. far this, this season. I think he's a player to, to keep an eye on. Uh, in terms of um, Piquet's centre-back partner, I guess it's probably going to be Vermaelen, who's actually done okay. He's actually he's done all right the last, done okay, yeah. the last couple of weeks. He's, he's done better than a lot of people thought. I mean, in terms of Barcelona's keep, I mean, I think it's always, I think it's always Piquet at the back. I think it's always Busquets in midfield. I yeah. think they're just such 
of fantastic players. And I think you could pick, pick either of those. And then in terms of how we, how we handle it, I, I think as, as is often the case in these games, I think it's the midfield battle that will dictate the, the outcome. And it's whether, it's whether Modric and Cross and Isco and Casemiro can dominate um, Busquets and Iniesta and, and Rakitic. And I mean, I'd, I'd back them to, to do that. I was looking at, uh, Marka put up, oddly enough, they put two different expected lineups. They, they put one <laughs> this morning and then they changed it like before I left, left okay. to come see you. And what, was, what was the change? The original one, they had Sergio Roberto as a right back. Mm-hmm. And then their change was Semedo as a right back later. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that I like <clears throat> both of them as players. I think I, think I like Sergio Roberto maybe a little bit more than, than Semedo. Maybe Semedo's a little bit more solid defensively. I don't know. I, we, when Semedo first arrived in Barcelona and his performances start the season, everyone was like kind of just swooning over yeah, him. Yeah, he, he looked like a great well. sign. Yeah. Yeah. To me, he kind of cooled off a bit. And then like... I was, you know, even against Depor yesterday, Sergio Roberto was fantastic. Mm. So I wonder if, I, based on merit, based on form, based on just rhythm, you know, if, if I'm if I'm a Real Madrid fan, I would rather see Semedo over Sergio Roberto because Sergio Roberto scares me a bit more. Yeah, and especially in a Clasico in a big game, you can yeah. you can see Sergio Roberto yeah. popping up you and know, scoring put, a goal or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He... Putting the badge on his sleeve and you know just. <laughs> um, some, one person we didn't really mention was uh, Jordi Alba. We, you know, we mm. obviously know he's going to start. Yeah. Um, Mark says, who is the key outfield player for Barca? It is crazy to me because, like, I remember when Neymar left, Jordi Alba said, you know, I have all this space on the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, okay, I mean, that's cool, but Neymar is still better than not having Neymar, right? <laughs> uh, but you know what? He's been very key. Like, his runs down the left flank, just phenomenal, messy Hits him. That messy Alba And Alba hits yeah. him back. You know, it's the yeah. cutbacks. And uh, it's something that I would like to see, you know, Teo or Ashraf kind of look at as an example of of knowing when to cut it back, when to put in a proper way to cross instead of just hitting it in, in the box as soon as you get to the flank. I think Alba has that really nice patience and understanding of how to to get it into the box properly. Sometimes right? with a young fullback, that's kind of the last piece of the puzzle is the final ball, yeah. isn't it? I, I think yeah. that's something that you, you learn with a little bit of experience. I think we've seen that, yeah, a little bit with Teo and, and Ashraf already. They've got so many qualities. I think both of them, especially their their physical qualities, like Teo is so quick and so strong. Yeah. Same goes for Ashraf as well. They've, they've got those kind of raw ingredients. It's just about kind of fine-tuning them and, and getting that final ball right. And yeah, I think Alba, Alba delivers that or tends to. There's another part to Mark's question. He says, do you think Zidane will use all three subs in this game? Or does he only trust Bale and Asensio? I think it's a trend we've seen quite a bit from Zidane lately that he he does keep faith with the starting lineup that he's chosen, doesn't he? And sometimes yeah. he doesn't make those changes until you get to sort of later. beyond yeah. beyond seventy minutes. Although I think, to be fair, I think the reason we've seen that once or twice is that it's been the stage in a game where you start to feel like okay, maybe the goal's coming, maybe the goal's coming, and then I think he feels like I don't want to change things because I think he thinks it's just on the point of mm-hmm. of tipping. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of of subs to, to bring on, yeah, attacking wise, I think Bale and Asensio will will be the two. Um, I mean, in terms of whether he uses all three or not, I don't know. I mean, there's so many factors that could come into to that. I think it's hard to predict. I mean, I don't think there's any question he trusts Lucas Vasquez. Well, yeah, Lucas is quite often one of yeah, the first players that yeah. he turns to. I mean, we see, we see that gambit quite a lot from Zidane when you're looking to win a game is get pace on out wide, mm. isn't it? Lucas on one side, Asensio on, on the other. The danger with that is that, yes, you're getting balls into the box, but sometimes your play can become a little bit one-dimensional in that yeah. it becomes only, only balls into the, into the box and you're not trying anything through the, through the middle. That's the risk. Yeah, um, which is interesting because like, 
we see so much criticism towards Isco. To me, like that was one of the most amazing things against Juve in the final last season. Was it wasn't it wasn't predictable at all. It was it was just Isco brought so many dimensions to the attack because he's just a constant outlet when he roams. Like everyone can just look up and Isco might be there to mm. to provide something. Whether it's down the middle and you have all these nice link up plays and combinations to either go to the flank or down the middle. Um, Isco's in, in many ways Isco's a bit of a solution to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Um, Fun question from Ivan Garcia. He says, my question is, what is the favorite classical of each participant in the podcast? I guess that's that's you and I. <laughs> yeah, There's only two to choose from Unless we today. grab a, a passerby <laughs> and ask them. Um, well, this is a fun question. Yeah. What, what, what sticks out in your mind? Okay, from a Real Madrid point of view, I think the Copa del Rey final at Mestalla, because mm. the Gareth Bale goal is so iconic. Mm-hmm. So iconic. Mm-hmm. The way that he left Mark Bartra. Poor Mark Bartra still has nightmares yes. about that Gareth Bale run yeah. trailing in his in his wake yeah. and uh, Bale going on to, to score. I think in, in recent years, from a Real Madrid point of view, that's pretty special. Also in recent years, I would say the, the 2-1 win at Camp Nou two years ago uh, with the the Cristiano Ronaldo goal where he chested down at the far post. Uh, and, yeah. and right before that, Bale had the goal disallowed. Yeah. That was yeah. that was in when Zidane had taken over in January, and that was when Madrid went on that amazing yeah, run at the end yeah. of the season where they didn't win the league, but they won the last twelve yeah. league games or something, and yeah, pushed, yeah, yeah. pushed Barca all the way. So, in terms of recent years, I would say those two probably. What about you? Those two definitely jump out. When when uh, when you said the final of the Mestalla, I for some reason my mind went to the one where Ronaldo won the header in extra time. Remember that one? What year was that? Uh, it was in the Mourinho era. Okay. Was that I, I can't remember what year, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I think you you got two of the main ones. The one I you know relatively recent was Ancelotti, the three one at the Bernabeu. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Where you know James was an unbelievable that game, and so was Benzema and Isco stole the ball from Iniesta to make the third goal. I think that was the first Clasico that I was at the Bernabeu actually. Oh yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So what that was twenty fourteen. Twenty six. It must have been the Decima year or the a year before. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, think I don't that, know. It's so hard to I keep think track that was of these years. I my first Pascal at the Bonavis, so that was a special one. Okay. Um, for what it's worth, Yvonne says, mine is the one at home of the 94-95 season. The 5-0 hat-trick was Zamorano um, and goes from Luis Enrique Mavisca. So, it was a little bit before my time. <laughs> I mean, Yvonne, Yvonne goes way back. I think yeah. if, I, if I were to go back a little bit farther, I would say... Uh, one of my my first classical that I ever watched as a kid was the two two at the Camp Nou where Raúl did the famous shush celebration. <sighs> yes. Um, yes, and then but one of the all time great celebrations alongside is. the Cristiano Calma. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's iconic. Uh, the other one that I had fond memories of was the Champions League semi final in the Camp Nou where Real Madrid won two 0 mm. Zidane's chip that Bonanno just saved and it still went in. And then ah, yeah, yeah, Raul yeah, yeah. stole the ball from I don't know which defender he played it, and McManaman had that nice dink over the keeper. That was fun for me oh, too. Anything, yeah. I mean, anything involving McManaman. Oh yeah, huge fond fan memories of him. Uh, Ramin Nagy kind of flips the question. He says, "What is your all-time favorite classical game from a neutral perspective?" Okay, so um, last season mm-hmm. I was at the Bernabeu for the for the Classico, and I watched the game from pitch sides. So uh, just behind the the kind of the advertising hoardings where the photographers are. Yeah, that's where I was for the whole game. Behind the net or on the uh, side? No, on on the site. Okay, um, because that's where we'd been filming our pre-match show, and we had to stay there for the for the game because they literally. There wasn't enough room in the press box upstairs because in the Classico, there are hundreds and hundreds of international journalists from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So we watched the game from pitch side. Mm-hmm. And watching that game from that close, like being that close to the best and biggest game in the world, 
I've got to tell you, was one of the like greatest footballing watching experiences of my life. Um, watching that game, watching the the first Messi goal, which was up our end of the up our end of the pitch. The pay, like the pace of that movement, the movement. That's mm-hmm. like watching a player that good from that bloody hell. It was. It was incredible. Obviously, from a Madrid point of view, the result didn't go our, our way. We we thought that when James got the equaliser, was it 85th minute? Yeah. It was a point, and then Messi scored in in added time. But I mean, from a from a neutral point of view, that game had everything. And, and like I say, for me personally, having that perspective on it, that was something that I will never forget. Was it just like? Can you explain the deflation when Messi scored at the end, like of the Bernabeu? Well, do you know what? Again, speaking from my own my own experience, it was kind of a funny one because. We were making our way from our pitch side position around the outside of the pitch to head to the mix zone. So you were done, like the for game, our, yeah. our post match show. We okay. had, so basically, before before the final whistle, every game, uh, you get a Phil, head start. leaders and I have yeah. to make our way around the pitch, right around the edge of the pitch, behind the, the advertising hoardings, to get to the mix zone, to get into position to do our post match show. Because mm-hmm. if we don't do that, we wouldn't get there in time. Mm-hmm. And so we were making our way rounds. It was two two in like the ninety first minute. We were climbing up the the grada there, the you know up the staircase in between the, all the fans to head to the mix zone. And as we got to the back, Messi scores, and we turn around and the you know the place is going crazy. Directly in front of us, in fact, I took a photo and I've still got the, the photo. There were two fans sat next to each other. Well, they were they were sat. They were they were jumping. One of them was a, a Barca fan in a Barca shirt, jumping and going crazy. One was a Madrid fan in a Ramos shirt, looking crestfallen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was where we saw that 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 moment. <sighs> Um, so yeah, it was it was it was, and then we had to go on air on Real Madrid TV, and as you can imagine, yeah, it was man. hard to know what to say. Those are the those are the most uh, the most taxing situations. Those are the moments a, that really test your journalistic yeah. abilities. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, from a new, neutral point of view, I mean, that that came out say. Um, that sounds about right. I, I can't. I don't know if it I. Had it, it had it all. Yeah. Um, from a neutral perspective, I don't know if I have anything else to add. I mean, there are for, for when you're either supporting Real Madrid or Barcelona, no matter what, how boring it is, it's it's you know heart wrenching for you. Yeah, but I mean, let's face it; these games don't tend to be boring. Like they, no. there are a lot of big games in world football that often don't deliver. Yeah, like you look at the Premier League and some of those big games. Sometimes a Manchester derby or United Liverpool yeah. or a London derby or. They they're not always good games. Like Classicos, yeah. it's not often you get a dull Classico. It's true, and they tend to be goals. And there are you know very you get very few nil nils. Um, what there, there, I mean, there was there, there was a four three a couple of years ago, wasn't there? Talking about games for the new. Yeah, that was a three. I think I was last at the Bernabeu four three um, with Ancelotti. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, you tend to they they, they tend to deliver. One that I remember uh, that would have been fun from a neutral point of view was I, it was one of Messi's first Classicos, and he scored a hat trick. And it was three oh, three because yeah. Real Madrid yeah, were up three yeah, one. Yeah. Ramos had put them up three one off a header, and then Messi scored two late goals, and it was three three. I imagine that would have been fun for a neutral. Second part to Ramin's question. I don't know. I think we can just answer this pretty quickly. Go but on. also, since Real are in need for a second goalkeeper, why not bring back Iker? He's benched at Porto. He is being benched at Porto. He might be on the move in January. Um, I mean, look, no, he'll be off. I, I saw him being linked to the Premier League. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I think it looks like he's going to be going somewhere. Uh, there's there's too much uh, baggage, and he couldn't yeah. go back to, to Real Madrid. It would be the drama. Would be. I mean, you remember what it was like the last yeah. year or two with, yeah. with with Ica here in the in terms of the the press in the in the papers and everything. It was 
it got kind of a little bit messy. He's a legend. He's a, he's a much-loved uh, legend for Real Madrid and for Spain. But no, he couldn't. And you shouldn't go back in life, generally. Should you? Move forwards. I agree. I mean, and this, it would, it would smell too much of an emotional signing rather than a pragmatic signing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and let's be honest. I mean, there are lots of names that are being linked to the Real Madrid goalkeeper position yeah. and those would probably be young pragmatic talents. options yeah. for the future. Um, I mean, the only thing I, I would say is that I, I really like the idea of signing Kepa um, just because... He's young. He's really talented. You know, I have yeah. a chance. We have. We both have a chance of watching him week in, week out. Mm. And Atleti Bilbao do not have much to cheer about this season. But mm. he is one of the the guys. Who are like, oh wow, he's so good. He's very, very good, and he's very, very gettable as well. Yeah. Because his contract's up exactly. in June. He can enter talks from January. He's got his buyout clause. Madrid can easily go and go and go and get him. And that, I mean, that all the suggestions are certainly in the in the media here. And I have no other information other than what I read in the in the media that he is a, a, a target and it would be exciting. Here's a question for you. Do you think Iker gets called up to Spain? Surely not, right? To the World Cup. No. He's not going, right? No. How many? They'll take three goalkeepers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it, I think there's, there's an interesting question about maybe who the who the third goalkeeper would be. Obviously, De Gea is the, is the number one. Kepa's in there. And then there, there's, there's kind of a... After that, I think there's much of a muchness. There's probably four or five Spanish keepers who it depends who's on form who yeah. who goes as I mean the third choice keeper in the squad anyway it's pretty much the it's kind of the Pepe Reina yeah. role isn't it of kind of morale boosting that's why I think it'll be Reina kind of for that reason right? yeah, yeah exactly um, Oscar says why does Zidane refuse to give Ceballos more minutes on the pitch it's about time he starts playing more regularly especially in El Clasico he hasn't played as much as maybe we thought that he yeah. would and I don't I'll be honest I don't know what the reason is for that because I mean, when he has got opportunities he's done well think about Menethorotha against Alaves when he was given a chance and scored scored two goals um, but he's had to be patient but I mean I think let's, let's see at the end of the season because we're, we're not even halfway through the season yet and I do think his chance will come I do think he'll get minutes he's such a exciting player you don't know bear in mind as well sometimes we don't have all the information about why these decisions are made we're not there in training every day Zidane is and, and so you know he, he may well have his reasons but no I still think Zavallos is, is a really exciting player for the future well Asensio and Kovacic both went through long spells that they, we, they just didn't play and we didn't know why so yeah. Zidane has his reasons for either grooming you know the way he grooms and develops players sometimes we don't know but right now both Asensio and Kovacic are huge factors into the team yeah that, that, that's the other thing is the yeah. other factor is the competition I mean look yeah. at the starting midfield and then look at the alternatives that's, that's part of the reason why um I remember last season, one of the, the games that dropped, Barca dropped points was, was away to Benito Villamarín against ah, Betis. Yeah. And Ceballos was really good that game. I remember that yeah. game, you're right. I feel like Ceballos is one of those players who he has such a chip on his shoulders and he would put so much, he plays with so much pride that I feel like he would someone you want to go to war with in the Classical. I think if that, not this game, in the future. He's got that character, yeah. hasn't he? He's, yeah. got, he's certainly got that... Uh, Got that character, and well, if, judging by some of his uh, tweets from when he was younger, he's, <laughs> he's not he's so much of a Barca fan. Although I saw that disputed, I, I saw mixed reports at times over exactly what his allegiances were. But anyway, he's, he's I think he, he a, tw- tweeted a something almost now. like con- contrary to that original tweet later on. Yeah, like, I mean, who knows? But look, when, when he's we were, a kid; he changed yeah, his mind. Exactly. It's not a big we've deal. All, we've yeah. all said silly things um, when we were younger. As long as we're not posting weird uh, '80s costume. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Say, say no more. Although I will Antoine say, like, I, I, I listened to your pod with Phil. Uh-huh. I was listening today earlier when I'm on my walk. Yeah. Um, and your point about the Spanish culture thing was important because 
I had mentioned this on the Manager Madrid podcast on Sunday night too, is that when you walk in the streets, even like if you go in Seoul, some of the businesses have logos of blackface. Like it's, it's 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 so different culturally. And yeah. that, again, as we said on the on on the pods the other day, that's not to defend it or to say that it's okay because it's no, not, but no. to try and give some context as to what it is like here. And then, yeah. Like in that sense, like I love I love Spain and Spanish culture, but in that sense, Spain is is a little bit behind the times. I think. Um, two more questions, go and on. then we're going to let you go because it's the lights are on. It's getting dark, and I think and my dark. my car alarm keeps going yeah. off. I think. <laughs> Someone's tried to yeah. steal it like ten <laughs> times so far. <laughs> um, Dimitri says, uh, "Why is Zidane refusing to go back to four three three when Bale is absent? When there are clearly players capable of filling his role?" Um, since four three, we kind of. Did address this a little I bit. I mean, but... do you do you sort of crave a return to four three three? I don't know. I think for, I mean, again, it, it's probably worth saying that we say you can describe it as four, as four two three one four four two. It whatever. morphs in the game, yeah. kind of. Yeah. But I, I think it gives you a little bit more solidity. I think maybe you need that extra man in in midfield. I'm not sure if I feel like we should be going back to to four four three three necessarily. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of indifferent on this one. I because I I feel like I I trust Dan to make the right call. He's earned that. Um, He's earned that, right? Mm-hmm. He's been amazing. You know, record, because, yeah. uh, you know, there was a period of when the Real, when Real Madrid were struggling, and it was tough to pinpoint that, like on schematic issues, because you know there was that those games against Valencia and Levante and Betis where Real Madrid scored three billion. They they almost you know they almost scored three billion chances, and they were unlucky to hit the post, and and you know opposing goalkeepers were in the form of their lives, and then there were other games where you just felt like. Whatever you do, it, it just doesn't work. It's like the equivalent of playing FIFA. And you lose like 15 games in a row. And you don't know why. And you just, you just have to change something sometimes. And, and um, maybe like for that reason, a shift back to 4 3, three just, to, just to change it. I don't know. Just to see. Uh-huh. Just to try a different approach. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's hard. And like sometimes, you know, it is a 4 3, three. In the game, it's a 4 3, three And then the second half, it's a 4 three, one, two. It changes in-game. And the, the scheme is versatile in that sense, I think. Hmm. So... You know, either way, I, th- I think you summed it up pretty well. The most important question on the podcast is from Groove on Twitter. He says, what's your fav Punjabi song, Alex? I mean, it's a great question. It's a question I've been waiting to be asked. Now, my, my knowledge of Punjabi music is sadly lacking. But really? Please, please hit me up. I know. I know. Please hit me up on Twitter with your recommendations. And I'll give I mean, I listen to, I'll listen to absolutely anything, all kinds of music from all over the world. So I will gladly check out any of your recommendations on Twitter for what I should be listening to in terms of uh, Punjabi music. I'd be interested too. So that's the homework for our listeners is to send us your best Punjabi songs. Yeah, yeah. hit and, me up with a Spotify playlist or something and yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. You can use it for your run tomorrow on your headphones. It yeah. sounds perfect. Um, okay, well, it's been a pleasure, Alex. Uh, um, it's my absolute pleasure. Thanks for uh, the invitation. I would shake your hand, but my, my fingers are kind of ice cold. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> numb, yeah. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. And a huge thank you to Alex Kirkland of Real Madrid TV for taking his time out of his day to do this. Um, and take care and hala madrid. How do you feel about your office? Is it just a space for employees to work? Or is it a space where your employees do their best work? When you're in the right space... It can bring your teams closer together and be where the best talent wants to work. When you're in the right space, it can make your life easier. Whether it's a new HQ or a satellite office, with WeWork, you can find a space that works for you. Visit we.co slash space matters to learn more. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. (laughs) 
Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sports Social Podcast Network.